Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. You knew it was only a matter of time, by the way, before that happened. We've been carrying this show on WBSM for the last 12 and a half years, and we've been going YouTube only when the Red Sox are on for the past, oh, I don't know, two two years maybe. And I think this is the first time that we've ever tried to play the theme song the same time the game was trying to play commercials. So we had to stop there and let the commercials have their way, which, what can you do? Well, part of it's the automated system, right? Yeah, well, but everything's tied into one, so yeah. we, we just go with what we can go with. Uh, but we are broadcasting live on YouTube, talking about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night. want to say hi to everybody who is joining us live. If you're listening to this show after the fact via podcast or uh, maybe on a YouTube replay or YouTube clips, or whoever you consume the show, live is the place to be. Saturday nights, 10 to midnight, this is the place that you want to be because you never know what's going to happen when the show is live. I could screw up like I just did at the beginning of this show. You don't want to miss the fun. <laughs> and if at any point in the show you want to call in, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you need the toll-free line. And you can jump in the chat room on Spooky South Coast's YouTube feed. Nightbot is in the chat room tonight, so make sure that you uh, interact with Nightbot. He's got some good. We 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 updated the AI for our for our friend Nightbot, huh, Matt? We we put some new uh, some uh, new we, commands in for the for we, Nightbot. We attempted to, so you can play around with Nightbot. He'll he'll be in there throughout the course of the chat room tonight, and uh, we'll. We'll just keep adding to it. We'll keep making it more interesting. He's got some hidden phrases in there for all of our friends over at Belgab that are joining us in the chat room. And I see that we're filling up with folks. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll keep an eye on Matt Moniz. We'll keep an eye on the chat room. I'll keep an eye on the chat room. We'll try to get to your questions as well throughout the show. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to be joined by a very special guest for the first part of the program. We're going to be joined by Amy Duma, who you might know better as Lita from the WWE. She is a WWE Hall of Famer multi-time women's champion. She'll be joining us to talk about her new venture, which is called UFO Show, and it's on the Asai Network. And I've had the chance to watch the first couple episodes. i got to tell you, it's a lot of fun. It's certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a look into the Americana and the kitsch of some of the UFO-related stuff that's out there, too. So we'll get into all that with Amy coming up in just a bit. But you can check out the website for that at asytv.com. That's asytv.com. If you want to go over there and sign up, it's it's two ninety five for a month. And they've got a bunch of shows up there. And it's not just – there's a couple of different paranormal programs, but it's not just paranormal stuff. There's food shows and travel shows and all kinds of stuff up there. So it's certainly well worth – Checking it out for two ninety five, giving it a view, see if you like it. And I, I get a feeling you'll find some programming on there that you like. And, and that's what I like about the way that media is going these days. You know, as much as we, we're here on a traditional radio station, not tonight, but in general, and but as much as we have, you know, developed this online audience and this online following over the past, you know, 12 and a half years, it's also good to know that there's still that traditional media out there. And we're one of the few that can bridge the gap and, and be part of both. But I do like the fact that, you know, there's there's shows that you say, well, that's a great show, but a network would never pick that up because maybe they feel like it's not commercial enough, like they can't market it or they can't sell it to the advertisers. But that doesn't mean that the programming's bad. It just means that 
the short-sighted advertisers aren't willing to buy time on those programs. So now with all these new online ventures like the Asai Network, uh, like Nick Roth's Haunted Space, uh, with his whole Viddy Network that he's created, you know, these opportunities give average people, you know, people that don't have the big-time Hollywood connections, but they're still brilliant filmmakers, brilliant producers, directors, hosts. Uh, it gives them the chance to still create content that the rest of the world can consume, and they can choose how they want to consume it and if they want to consume it. It's not like it's something that's being forced down your throat, like when you go and you sign up for cable, and you got to get those 144 channels in the package that you're only going to watch 44 of them, but you can't pick and choose a la carte what you want. But with these online services, you certainly can. Especially like where some of them even tell you it's whatever, $5.99 a month for our service, or you can buy individual episodes for 99 cents. So they're really customizable. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I like the a la carte idea. Well, I mean, you're a guy that didn't even have internet at your house (laughs) until recently, so... Now that you see the, the possibilities of what's out there, it's it's certainly a game changer. Because why go watch, you know, 45 hours of Law & Order reruns on 10 different stations, 10 different networks, when you can have the kind of content that you're looking for? And I think that that's what is appealing to a lot of the audience, is that if you want to just get wrapped up in a particular genre, you can do that. If you, you know, you're you're a gun guy, Moniz, you know, if you want, you can watch the NRA TV channel all day. I could. As opposed to just, you know, waiting and see. I'm just saying it's something that you're into. It's something that you're an enthusiast. Well it's, well, it's not just that. It's my job now. But you would have to wait and be like, oh, wow, there's an episode of Modern Marvels about firearms on today. Like, I want to make sure I catch that. Like, now you don't have to. Now you can just, if you have a couple of hours to kill, you can spend that couple of hours just watching programming for what you're interested in. So it's it's certainly making things different. It's making things difficult for the cable companies because ultimately they're going to have to say, well, we're going to have to charge you more for Internet if you're not going to be watching our TV because yeah. they're making the money off all the packages, that the, all the uh, carrier uh, packages that they're selling to the networks. So in the long run, like everybody's like, oh, I'm cutting the cord. I'm going to save so much money because I'm cutting the cord. Well, you still need that internet coming to your house. Correct. And that internet's only going to get more expensive, but I digress. The point is that we can actually watch and enjoy content made just for us, which is what we're all about here with Spooky South Coast. This is content made just for paranormal enthusiasts. There's two people that listen to the show or watch the show, people that are into the topic of the paranormal. And people that are into snacks, because we talk a lot about both. Yes. So I think the paranormal audience kind of outweighs the snack audience a little bit, but we're going to talk about snacks with Amy Dumont later on. I got a question. Do you think they'll actually make a dedicated paranormal channel? Well, let me give you some insight into that. Okay. I know you are you deal with networks and things like that in your other jobs. Here, so, so the network that I have worked with is Destination America which is owned by Discovery Networks. Right. Discovery Networks is in the middle of a merger with Scripps, which owns the Travel Channel. So, essentially, when all is said and done, the speculation, nothing's been official, and I'm not speaking in any kind of uh, in-the-know capacity. This is just speculation that I've talked to about some of my other you know, TV friends with, 
is that, and I mean people that work in TV, yeah. not when I talk to the TV and pretend those right. are my friends, which I also do that as well. <laughs> but <laughs> my best friend growing up was Bear. I was like, if only I could just get BJ did, out of the picture. I was going to say, poor BJ. Yeah, like Bear is my best friend. Chewbacca is courtside at the Celtics game. That's That okay. mask is movie quality. Okay. I just I have the Celtics game on behind me, so oh, that's wow. yeah, that's that's a real Chewbacca. That is. So, that was distracting. Yeah. Anyway, back to the show. Uh, so, in talking with some of my friends that work in television, when the merger happens, there's really no reason for them to have the Discovery Channel, I mean, the uh, the Destination America Channel, and the Travel Channel if they're both essentially the same type of programming. So, there's some thought that. A lot of the travel programming on Destination America would go over to the Travel Channel because it has a wider base, a w- reaches far more homes. And so then the question would be, does Destination America go away? Where it already has so much paranormal programming, and they've only been increasing that. Yeah. Not with fresh content, but with rebroadcasts of other stuff and or just rerunning the same shows that they produced in the past. It seems to be trending that that might become... I'm not saying all paranormal network, but a mostly paranormal network. So we could see it, it pretty much is now, but we could see more money pumped into those type. And and then some of the shows that are on other networks, you know. Uh, so if Finding Bigfoot's going to come back and and have more, you know, that might end up on that network because they can stream everything into one one channel. Yeah. The problem is, is then they have to make that channel available in more homes to make up for where it would be seen otherwise because not every – I think Animal Planet and Travel Channel are, are in far more households than Destination America. So that's a little bit of the inside info. And Like I said, that's not anything official from any networks. That's just my own speculation and what I've talked about with my friends. It just seems to make sense. But also with the rise of streaming services, there's a whole new home for content. Some of the most popular stuff that streams on Netflix and Hulu are the paranormal documentaries. That's why you keep seeing more and more of them pop up. Even if it's just that they're buying up the rights to other shows to put on there, they're putting more of that content in there. So eventually, I wouldn't be surprised if they start putting money into actual original programming of a paranormal nature because most of it's pretty cheap to produce. You know, the, I don't know if you sh- saw the show, uh, The Get Down. No. But, so that was like a, it was like a, a drama that was like the history of hip hop, but told through a drama. But Boz Lerman was, was the creator of it. <laughs> well, it was very visual and very, you know, it was very artistic, but it also was very expensive. So they canceled it because they weren't getting the viewership to justify the millions of dollars they were spending to make it. The same with that show, Sensate from the Wachowskis. Same thing. It's so expensive to produce and it's not getting enough eyeballs. But when you look at a show like Ghost Hunters, it's not that expensive to produce. Yeah. You know, it's it's really like you just get the people to the location, pay for the location, have a crew to film what they do on the location, and pay some people to edit it afterwards. It's not a very time-consuming or or a uh, costly process for the for the production company. It's not labor-intensive, so no. to speak. Yeah. The, the hardest part of it is, you know, spending the time to actually – find the places to go and to keep it fresh and Logistics. all that. But in terms of production value, you know, they, they certainly did a, a, a fine job with that. So it wasn't like the show suffered. It was just cheaper overall. It didn't cost as much to put everything into it. I mean, maybe with your ghost adventures and you got to pay Zach Bagan's salary. 
or the money that he's getting as, a, as an executive producer and all that, then, then the prices start to go up a little bit. But when you're producing some of these lower-level shows, you could certainly have lots more of them. So that's what I like about these online offerings is that you can get real niche, and they don't worry so much about if you're getting too crazy or if you're getting too out there. You can have your own voice. And I, we can talk about this with Amy when she joins us, but I have a feeling that there's probably not a whole lot of, you know, from the Aside Network, probably not a lot of uh, oversight where they say, nope, nope, can't do that. Nope, nope, that's too weird. Like, I think they seem like, judging by some of the programming they have, they're probably pretty open to things. And I can tell you that working with Destination America, as great as they've been to work with, there's been episode ideas that we pitched for shows where they've said, Oh no, no. No, we don't want no, we don't want to talk about that. For I can just give one example because it's it's a show that's no longer in production, but when we worked on Ghost Stalkers, yeah. They went to the Springfield Hospital in Maryland and they wanted to investigate that place because it had underground tunnels. So it became all about let's investigate this old abandoned hospital that has underground tunnels and you know that show was all about portals, which it wasn't supposed to be, but that's what the network wanted. And so the feeling was that this was a great place to go and look for ghosts. But as I'm doing the research, I'm finding out there's been UFO sightings, abduction cases reported. There's, you know, all kinds of Native American lore from the area. Oh, and by the way, they've also had a pretty big Bigfoot flap, too. So basically they have a smaller version of, you know, what we have here with the Bridgewater Bridgewater Triangle. And so I'm like, well, we should really tie all this in together. I mean, we've got John Tenney there, the king of weird. Let's tie all this together because this is all part of the bigger picture of what's going on. And, and the network was said, no, no, let's just stick to the ghost stuff. And that Bigfoot stuff isn't really all that popular. This is 2015, so it's before, really? you know, the, okay. the big Bigfoot explosion of programming. And so we could have been at the cutting edge of that. And instead, you know, we're getting told that, you know, audiences just aren't willing to buy that. Audiences just audiences don't want to have to think about aliens and Bigfoot and ghosts all at once. It's like, nope, you're wrong. The more that you can tie all the weird stuff together, the better off that we are. Well, it is all quote unquote tied together. I mean, it, it's it all is. unexplained. It is, and and even if you don't, you know, if you're somebody like, uh, you know, we had Cliff Barrickman on who said he doesn't buy into ghosts and he doesn't buy into a lot of that other stuff, but he thinks Bigfoot's a real flesh and blood creature. Even if you think that and that's your mindset, it's not 1970 anymore where the Bigfoot researchers don't cross paths with the ghost researchers or the UFO researchers and where everybody kind of gives each other the stink eye when they talk about what it is that they do. It's not like that anymore. It's a, it's a brotherhood of weird. Yeah. And so when you have that, when you ha- when, and it can be also be a sisterhood of strange, it's, it's yeah. open to everybody. But when you have that and you have those connections – those people are crossing over into the same circles now. It may not from a factual or scientific standpoint, we can say from their perspective, it may not be tied together, but the people who are doing that work are tied together with the people that are doing the other work. Yeah. So you can't say, you know, I I don't, I don't know who that person is or I don't, you know, I don't, you respect each other's research far unlike what you probably went through at the beginning of your career. Oh yeah. But what I've noticed, is, especially if you're talking about going to these various, um, you know, like Comic-Con type of, you know, UFO cons or Bigfoot cons, there are other, we'll call it cross-pollination of 
paranormal people there. You know, you'll find a Lauren Coleman at a uh, alien abduction conference, and you you'll find somebody like Kathy Martin at you know a a, a ghost con type of thing. You know, they they all cross. They'll all cross. And now, I, and I think that that's certainly you know for the benefit of the audience as well as it is for the individuals involved. To have them say, hey, listen, if you're willing to accept this, just open your mind up to this idea. It doesn't matter if you are convinced at all, but if you're just willing to listen and willing to at least travel down this path with us for a little while, then who knows what else you might discover along the way. Well, it, if you're into just say, you know, ghosts, you'll find that there are encounters of people doing ghost work where they've come across either UFO or alien abduction things in the process of doing research or actually investigating a case and, and cases of Bigfoot that get involved in. And same thing with Bigfoot people. I know people that have gone Bigfoot hunting and wound up catching EVPs on their recorders. And you know, you know what I'm saying? You, just because you go out looking for one thing doesn't mean you're not going to find something else. And, and hopefully we can get into that a little bit with uh, with Amy Dumont coming up because even in the first episode of UFO Show, she's going down into the, the, the catacombs of the Roswell UFO Museum with uh, with Beth, who was still, still, <laughs> still, still laughing at that joke from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, she goes, she goes down in there with Beth, and Beth is telling her about some of the ghostly experiences that people have had in in that basement, yeah. telling her about what psychics have picked up and what you know paranormal researchers have picked up. And so here's a show that's about UFOs that some of the ghost stuff is sneaking into. And I want to ask Amy, you know, how much she's willing to go down those roads herself uh, as she goes along, because you know she's going to end up in a place like, and I'm going to push for it, the Bridgewater Triangle, where all, everything is kind of intermingling with each other yeah uh, when i was in roswell uh i did a little ghost hunt there with um jesse marcel jr's uh wife and daughter and he even poked around a little bit with us and you know just because you're into one thing doesn't mean you can't go out and experience some of the other stuff right and and you really should yeah try and go out and experience it just because Maybe there's something you can learn from that that you can take into your own research. Correct. You know, I, I I would never have thought of going out into the woods all the time and, and knocking on trees looking for Bigfoot until you took me out into the woods, you know, uh, on Moni's Island <laughs> when we were just kind of filming a little something yeah. and, uh, and, and you're, you know, banging on the trees and all that. And I was like, well... That seems like a really easy thing to do every time I go on a ghost investigation. Every time I'm looking for ghosts, why don't I try knocking and see if they'll knock too? Right. And I've well, had that, that is happen. the old school. Yeah. Right. It's it's, it's very much spiritualism, uh, you know, Fox Sisters kind of yeah. stuff. But when I started doing that, I realized that pretty much every time I went somewhere, it would happen. <clears throat> yeah. Now, the downside of that was when we went to uh, – we were investigating the uh, – uh, the Oliver House in Middleborough, and I'm in the basement, and somebody's on the third floor, and I'm doing the old oh, shave and a haircut. So he's not. <laughs> and so I'm freaking out because I'm doing shave and a haircut, and I'm hearing somebody else. You know, I'm hearing a ghost do two bits. Yeah. And then a person up on the third floor is freaking out because he's hearing a ghost do shave and a haircut, and he's doing two bits. <laughs> so it took us a little while to realize that uh, we were both along yeah. the the same pipe that was running from the basement to the 
third floor. But see, we didn't immediately assume it was a ghost, but it uh, it got exciting for a few minutes, so we realized what was going on. So you never know, you know, what you can pick up from one and what you can bring into another. And so we'll talk about that with Amy because I think that, especially if you have the chance to get into some of the places she has the chance to get into, you know, being who she is, she's a pretty recognizable celebrity. And we saw it happen with Jack Osborne and his show. We've seen it happen with as, you know, the stars of paranormal television shows have become more recognizable. He also had Rob Lowe. For, and, and meatloaf and yeah. all kinds of people have, you know, done paranormal shows, uh, and, and they've had access that some of the rest of us wouldn't be able to get. The dirty secret of that is it's not like they're just letting them in because it's meatloaf. They're letting them in because the production company gave them money. Yeah. So, but if you have a show with meatloaf, you have a little bit more money to give than if you have a show with, you know, Joe Schmo paranormal investigator, which that might be. A little bit better too, because then you're forced to find the places that aren't the same places everybody else goes. That's why I want to talk to Amy about future episodes of UFO Show because I want to know where there's got to be some off the beaten path places, some places that she might go to that you will say, Moni's, as somebody who's been looking into this for for so long, you might say, "Whoa, I surprised that you checked out that case." You know, uh, well, there's there were some cases that we covered in the early days too, like if you look at, uh, you know, Kecksburg. Yep. Nobody really talks about that. You that know, was we, one of my favorite <clears throat> cases. But we ended up, you know, looking into that and doing a whole episode on that, and it and it becomes, you know, a fascination. Uh, the the Benwaters case for a long time, nobody was paying attention to it. It's, it's had a comeback, I think, yes. in recent years. But for a long time, that case was something that was dormant. Uh, in terms of the research. So the fact that we have more and more of these things happening is for the betterment of everybody. And I'm going to bring on our guest right now. She is joining. She's a, this is, this is a Hall of Fame guest, Moniz. Okay. I know that you're not a wrestling fan, but trust me when I tell you. Hall I'm of Fame old, guest. Old school wrestling. Four time women's champion. One of the greatest of all time. You know her as Lita in the WWE. Miss Congeniality in ECW, if you go that far back. But now she's just Amy Duma, and she's joining us now on Spooky South Coast. Are you with us, Amy? I'm here. You just cut straight to the deep tracks with Miss Congeniality. (laughs) Listen, uh, I've been a fan since those days, uh, and I remember watching and saying, there's somebody that would be pretty good in the the then WWF, but uh, Mm -hmm. it turns out, hey, I was right. You've had a, a pretty successful career making it into the Hall of Fame. I did okay. (laughs) <laughs> and so now that you have, you know, free time on your hands, now that you're retired and uh, you're able to follow your passions, it looks like your passions have been UFO research all this time. Yeah. I mean, that's been something that's interested me for, for a while. And then I met Brandon from, from Asai TV, and I was a guest on one of his shows. And we just got to chatting. He's like, you know, you should do your own show on our network. You know, it's just it's a, it's a real DIY network no commercials and it's all just people you know pursuing their passions and showing their interests in and whatever it is they're interested in and i said okay well well i'll think about it you know well i'll think about what because i do have a lot of a lot of different interests of, of you know what would be fun to do and then one night we were just chatting and got into ufo talk and then you know we we're 30 minutes into us just riffing on 
UFO stuff. He's like, you know, this is our show, right? This is what we're going to do a show about. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so, so yeah, there we have it for, for now. Well, what I like about it is, uh, and there's, there's just the two episodes out so far, right? We, we've seen the Roswell episode and the extraterrestrial highway. Those are the only ones that have been released so far. I think we lost her. That was that was definitely a dropped call. That was not a. I think I don't think I made her that angry. <laughs> not on the first question yet. No. Uh, hopefully she'll call right back. But <clears throat> my bet is the fourth. But that is uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like it's the fact that you can just sit there and talk about what you want to create a show about, and you can. You have that kind of freedom. Uh, so we'll see if she joins us again here in a moment. I don't. I didn't do it, I swear. Okay, here we go. She's coming back on with us. There is still with us, Amy? I am I am back. L- listen, I know that you're new to, to uh, a media career in terms of paranormal strange research, but get used to this kind of stuff. It's going to happen. We right. just experienced some sort of interference. If you're talking UFOs, they're <laughs> listening on your phone now. It's just how it goes. I know I'll always I'll say that to people like I'll send them articles or stuff. I'm like, sorry, I just put your name on a list by sending you that link. Absolutely. And uh, but don't worry, like eventually there's there's so many names on the list. It's going to take them forever to get to you. So you're safe. I'm deep onto the list. You'll get, I'm a- get some warning signs before before, you know, anything happens. Yeah. So so we have the three three episodes. We did one more. The third episode will take place in, in Sedona and Santa Fe. And then after that, we'll jump back out on the road and film our, our next round, um, our road trip UFO stops. And what I like about the show is that it's not—it's it, not just about the the cases, and it's not just you know rehashing the the stories of the UFOs. It's about what that means to that particular place. It's 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 how that UFO story has given an identity to a place, and it's very much about the Americana and the kitsch of it all, as it is about the actual UFO experiences. Yeah, I, lo- I loved it, taking that approach on it, because first of all, it, that's, it's me. You know, I, I love just setting out on the open road and not real. And, and I'll maybe have a, a dart in the map as a destination, but I may not make it all the way there, but there's for sure a lot of tributaries along the way that I'm just going to stop and, and you know, whatever. When I see something shiny, I'm going to stop, <laughs> you know? And, oh, absolutely. And so I like doing that. And, yeah, like you said, these towns that, that have, their identities have been formed around either uh, an event or just a phenomenon in general, and then the people that the people that you meet along the way. And I love just the, like using a common interest to as a social network, right? You know, so I met all these people, and, and to say how how does this culture influence your daily life? And um, you know, I'm not out to set to prove anything to anyone, and there's plenty of shows and articles and people that are way more connected than I am that, that can do all that and and I can nerd out and read all that on my own time but it was really just you know and knowing the wide reach that I do have from my wrestling career that people are just going to be interested to to check the show out that may have never spent five minutes thinking about what else could be out there or UFOs or other species and, and anything like that and 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 then it's just kind of a little an intro, and if anything I maybe say or something I, somebody I interview says sparks your interest, there's, it's so easy to just look up on your own time, and that's, that was my approach to it. And in general, is like 
I'll, I'll lob something up for people of, of my either my values or my beliefs or whatever it is, but that's on you for you to take your own path and your and you know spend your time you know researching or, or discovering what you want to. And, and as you know from the wrestling world, you know it's one of your jobs as a, as a performer is to develop your your character and your persona and to create this larger than life personality. And you're actually going out there and meeting people who are just already larger than life personalities. They, there's there's nothing being put on with these people. They they just are who they are, and they are characters. Yes, I, I love love syncing up with the local characters of that town, and I love the concept that, that these people have formed their own identity and they're kind of legendary in their community, you know, or they're, oh, but you mean the woman that owns the little alien on the extraterrestrial highway. It's like people know her all over the world. She, she's a celebrity, you know, and she lives in Rachel, Nevada, in the middle of nowhere, you know, and owns this tiny little motel, but people know her and talk about her and they she's warmed their their experience or their vacation in some way just having met her and, and I love and I love that aspect of you know these local fixtures or celebrities in their own right and you can catch these episodes of UFO show on asytv.com asytv.com it's only 2.95 a month to to get all the great programming that they have there and what I like too about it is it seems like there's I'm just guessing from you know knowing about your band that you had the Luchagors and and everything that I know about you from what I've read online. It seems like you probably have a hand in picking a lot of that music that's being used on the show as well. Yeah, so this has been fun since it is all self done, totally DIY. We make up where we want to go and just go there and piece piece things together and call in favors for for things like that. And so I as a some of my friends have had to have written songs about UFOs or space or something like that before. And so I looked and my friend Kepi, who was in the Groovy Ghoulies, he, he did the, the theme song years ago, um, 50,000 spaceships watching over me. And I said, hey, can this be our theme song to our show? And he always said, of course. And then my friend, uh, we toured, Luchagor's tour with Zombina and the Skeletones, and they have a couple great songs about space and, and UFOs. And so they're featured in there. And, and you know, just as, as I'm contacting friends and reaching out and saying, hey, like, you know, can we use your music? And, and it's just giving it that feel that I feel like you get a sense of me. Like you, you, you kind of gave my resume and at the end, and you're like, and now she's just Amy Dumas. You know, and it's like when you watch that show, it's like, there's Amy Dumas. Like this is the music she listens to. This is how she just chats with people she meets on the street, and kind of meanders and, and tells these stories in a in a tangenting fashion, which I consider myself to be quite a tangent specialist. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one tangent that you go down is one that we also frequently go down on this show as well. And uh, and don't take this the wrong way, but there's there's a pretty strong focus on snacks on UFO show. <laughs> I love my snacks. So yeah, do we. Actually, yeah. that's the, somebody brought that up. They were watching the show. They're like, I love how you just stop and eat. And I was like, <laughs> they're like, the shows don't do that. I was like, right, but clearly, like, we're going all day long, and one one has to stop and eat. So so let's pop in and just, you know, it's so it is. It's like a like a video diary slash travel journal of the, of the day, you know. And you can you can watch it. it. Like gets dark, and and yeah, we have to stop. So yeah, there's like. We stopped at one of my favorite donut shops in Vegas and um, stopped at a Mexican restaurant in the first episode. And there, there's food in the third episode, too, you know, because it's just um, 
it's part of yes, UFOs. It's going to be rooted in in that culture, but it's also just yeah, like you said too, the music, the punk rock music, or you know the music that I play and the food that I eat and stuff. It's just kind of and my my dog. It's just can't she's cameos all over there. Just they pan out on this last episode, and you just see her. She's right there at my ankle, walking to the car with me because she is, you know. And so um, the, the Kens makes her, her her presence known as well. Well, you call them cameos, but you know that in season two, she's going to demand more screen time, <laughs> and you know there'll be writers in her contract and all that kind of stuff. She she really she really is she she's kind of stingy with her TV time because sometimes she's just like no no I'm off the clock right now so <laughs> it's 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 she she calls the shots and she knows it but See, um but yeah I, I always get a kick out of seeing oh because I'll forget that she's there and I'm just watching the show and I'm like oh there's the Kens. Well, but, you know, if you see any shows like, you know, if you watch Ancient Aliens or some of these other UFO-related te- television shows that are on network TV or even things that are online, you know, they focus a lot on the cases. But people are watching those and saying, well, I'm interested in learning more about that, but I would never actually think to go to these places. But your show is giving them a, a, a bird's-eye view of it, a chance to see what it's all about. And this is what happens when you descend upon a Roswell or descend upon Sedona. And this is what you're going to go and experience when you go there. And it's about more than just the case. It's about the culture, the people, and the impact that that case has had. Well, here's the thing. is like I'll sit down and listen to somebody. I'll, I'll watch a crappy YouTube video of somebody at a conference where you can barely hear the audio on a specific case because I am interested in about it or I'm interested, but I understand that that can be alien alienating <laughs> to people or that, that it's, you know, it takes some, you have to, it's a, it's preaching to the choir, right? You know, people that are already interested in that or, or who's going to sit down and, and watch that or watch. Sometimes people can get pretty intense on the topics of UFOs and what they, their either personal experiences or their past military experience and all of that you can get pretty intense and I can get, and I get how that it, it can be too much for people. So that was not the approach I wanted to take at all. And I just wanted to have a fun, lighthearted thing, but I like to just lob out a couple food for thought um, items, you know, and then and then if it, if it resonates with you, like I said, that information is really easily available to kind of absorb it as, you, as you're ready for it. And, and you give the information right on the screen of where people can go to find out more and, you know, they can just take that link and fall down the rabbit hole themselves. Right. Or you can just eat some donuts and listen to some music and, and watch me tell a couple corny jokes. And that's that. You're like, that's okay too. Well, you've spent a lot of time on the road. I assume you've spent more than your fair share, uh, just driving alone at night or, you know, being up in an airplane at night, trying to get from one destination to another. Have you had UFO experiences yourself? Yes, and that 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 is what got me deeper into the culture and wanting to learn and explore more. Um, we'll hear about it more on, on the third episode, but I was in Sedona, which is you know known as one of the a hot spot for for sightings and potentially for its portals and and vortexes. You know, there's a lot of vortexes in the area, and so I went with Melinda Leslie, who's been a, a known ufologist for a long time, and she does, which I loved her her the way she presented information is, well, all we can do is talk about things that we can identify that we're going to look up at the sky and see. And then everything else that you see is that's unidentified, you know? And so we, she went, runs through the whole gamut of information, what, how to identify what's a star, what's a planet, a satellite, a military plane, a commercial airplane, a meteorite, you know, all, all of these things, how you identify them, satellites, 
And then, okay, so anything else you see besides those things, you can't substantiate with anybody. So I'm not telling you there's a green man driving it, but I'm telling you that that's an identified object that you're seeing moving, you know. And and so we had Gen 3 military uh, night vision goggles on, and as the sun was setting, you know, we we just started to see multiple multiple things up there in the sky that we couldn't identify. And then I've, I've gone on that tour four times now, and I've seen something every time. Well, and, and as I said, you know, you've also been on the road quite a bit. You've stayed in a lot of hotels. And I have to ask mm-hmm. you this. Have you had any other paranormal-type experiences, any, any ghost experiences, any Bigfoot sightings, anything else that you would categorize as having been something paranormal? Yeah, I've got I've got one one good one. So my my home in in Atlanta was built in 1924 and the owner or the the builder that was his empty nest home. And in my house or my street, it's like a little historic district street where the cul-de-sac is a little 12 unit apartment complex, but it was one house. At, at, you know, back in the late 1800s, early turn of the century. And so now it's, you know, like a little cute apartment complex, and then the houses are all little bungalow styles, you know, up the, up the road that was just one singular driveway. My house is the empty nester home, and, and it butts up to an old historic cemetery. And, you know, I go walk my dog in there, and, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of, it's like my park, right? And so um, when I first moved in, I had, you know, my, rate, my stations on my satellite radio program. And I had the the punk station, and I, and I and I had this '40s music like Lawrence Welk, and just oh, kind of yeah, throwback, you know, just chill, you know. So it was like this is my this is my relaxing music. This is my get stuff done music, you know. And so I would put it on, and every time it, I would do it, it would it would change to the '40s station, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I just thought it was maybe faulty wiring, which potentially, you know, it was, and and, um, and then. The guy next door who owns it was—it's his grandfather that built the entire street and lived in there. And he said, "My grandfather's buried in the cemetery back here. Um, that this was the house that that when we would, you know, I've spent a lot of time in that house." And um, and so I asked his name and everything. And so and I read about. It, I go, "What do you do? Like, do you think it's a you know and hiding my keys, things like you know, like the, the typical things?" But I was also like, "But I'm new. I just moved in. I don't have my places established. Maybe I put them somewhere else." And I, and so I did the thing. It's, you know, I go, okay, hey, uh, John, I'm Amy. I I bought your house, and and I and I love it, and I'm going to take great care of it. And you're you are welcome to to spend more time in your home as I know you did, and you know, and I could just kind of, I said, and and if just we can stay here, and I will respect your home and your space, but if you could please respect me, and can you not change the music, and you can you not hide my keys, and can you just kind of let let me be like let me take the reins here and and i went to his gravestone and i found it and i like put i offering like i left flowers there and i repeated it there and it has never happened since wow because i i was thinking you know in the first episode the in when you're in the basement of the uh, roswell ufo museum with our friend wendy you're down there, and she's telling you some of the things that people have experienced with uh, what psychics have picked up, and, and people have picked mm-hmm. up a little girl down there. And so it seems like with, with UFO Show, you're not worried about going down some of those pathways and, and letting some of that stuff kind of leak into the stories that you're telling. For sure. You know, it, it, it's and especially when you look into 
galaxies and portals and interdimension travel, you know, and things like that, that where it does kind of lead the paranormal activity into UFO culture. And when it naturally comes up like that, especially just speaking with somebody, I would never steer away and say this isn't what we're, we're talking about because I love just... I love things not having a defined nature. Our theme will be UFOs, and some people are going to be funnier, and some people are going to be more intense, and some people are going to go off in another direction. And it's all it's all what speaks to you. I just love, you know, ma- making friends and making putting faces to these names that you've heard and kind of just making that personal connection with, with everybody's journey. And that's what it's all about, really, because it's. we were saying before you joined us that a lot of the research, a lot of the pathways that you go down are going to intersect and cross each other, and you can't be willing to uh, pay attention to one and completely close down another because they're going to need to intersect and they're going to need to influence each other. Absolutely. I mean, and that's really what I, I love about researching this topic is you're forced to to get comfortable with the unknown and to also to get comfortable with change, constantly changing and evolving your opinions and just being open to not having the answers. And I really love that because I feel like that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And even somebody like me, I'm very independent. I like to be in control and, and kind of have a say-so. And then this is that this whole area, you're not in control. You know, this is something greater or bigger or unknown or you don't have enough pieces of the puzzle and and you just have to kind of go with your experience or go with what's happening. And and I and I like that aspect uh, of something that's greater than you and just just letting it happen. I know a lot when I was younger, a lot of my conversations about paranormal uh, interests came up when, you know, I'd be driving down the road with my friends uh, in high school like looking out the window on a dark night as we're driving down an abandoned road, and they, they would say, "Hey, what are you what are you looking for?" And then I would say, "Oh, I'm just watching the sky," you know. And that's that would inevitably lead to talking about UFOs and ghosts and all that. In all of your travels and in, in your wrestling career, were there other people uh, that you were working with that had a similar interest that you could talk about these things with? Yeah, you know, actually, ju- just recently, and, and it is it, you know, some people it, it really. <laughs> scares them. I was with a, a friend and we traveled off into a, a dark road and, and we took a different route. So I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think it was going to be this dark. Can we pull over? Can we just lay on the hood and look up? She's like, no way. It is so dark and I don't want to snow. And, and I was like, yeah, but like you get to see so much more when it's dark. And she's had such a strong aversion to, to doing that because but and she actually happened to be as a person, quite a control freak. And I think that's the thing of like, yeah, you might see something that you can't explain and that might feel uncomfortable. Um, and so, yeah, I was sitting in, in WWE, a catering table, and and the, the Miz, who one of you is familiar with, the other one. Oh, <laughs> I definitely am. But um, so he sat down, and I think I had a pin on my jacket that was a UFO pin. And he was like, what is that, UFOs? You like UFO? You think they're real? You think there's green men flying around? What do you think about that? Why are you doing that? Why do you have that pin on your jacket? You know, he just, like, answers for you as he, as you have a conversation with the Miz. He's just going to tell you what you're thinking. And then so I was like, would you, would you like to know why I have this pin <laughs> now that you've just <laughs> told me why I have it? You know, and so I said, well, you know, I, I went to this, on this tour in Sedona, and this is what I saw, and, and I don't know, it just interests me. And he's like, oh, come on, and then he's just really naysaying me. And then Kalisto sits down, you know, and he says, you know, and I said, oh, well, come on, come on. And I was like, he's like, I said, let, let's let him weigh in. And I knew he was from Mexico City, and I was like, watch this. Like, I already knew, <laughs> you know, and I go, 
hey, Manny, what's, what, you ever seen a UFO or anything like that in the sky? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like on the on the baseball field, like practice. Like we were all like, yeah, we seen, you know, and I was like, yeah, Mexico City, a hot spot, man. He's like, oh, yeah, we'd see stuff all the time. And then the next person sat down there, the, a photographer, at, at, you know, there. And then I was like, what about you, Johnny Photo? You ever seen anything? And he's like, oh, yeah, driving in between L.A. and down one night I saw something that I, I didn't know what it was, you know. And, and so all of a sudden, Miz became the minority. You know, instead of sitting at the table, he went from calling me the, the outcast or the freak to the, and now all of a sudden, Miz is outnumbered. And that was just who happened to sit down, you know, not, not as just polling everybody. So I do think it's more common, but because it is a, a fringe subject, people can be apprehensive to talk about things that they've seen or that they believe that aren't common. I've found that the most people that are really skeptics are either overly religious or overly atheistic and they mm-hmm. and they have a hard time trying to wrap their mind around this being you know out of their out of their comfort zone out of their little box well right <clears throat> or have trouble with gray gray area or maybe grays specifically <laughs> but but gray area concepts and thoughts and they need to touch something or you know or need to have an absolute answer one way or the other well, I can tell you, uh, in our area, we're in New England, uh, in, in mm-hmm. an area that's called the Bridgewater Triangle, which has more than its fair share of not only UFO sightings and abduction cases, but uh, ghost stories, Bigfoot sightings, Thunderbird sightings, all kinds of high sea strangeness. Monsters. And there's weirdness of every kind up here. And uh, and a couple of years ago, uh, Chris Jericho came up here, and, and he and I filmed a, uh, a sizzle reel together for a possible mm-hmm. paranormal show. So when you're out in your travels, if you're coming around the Northeast, let us know because the Bridgewater Triangle would make a great episode of UFO show, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, we would, we would love to come there. Um, so yeah, maybe coming up because I will do it in spring or summer in your areas. I have a bit of an aversion to the cold. <laughs> so. Understand. Um, but yeah, for, for sure. And I love, um, not trying to, you know, the, the, the cities, you could do, just on the triangle, you know, we could do three episodes just on that. You know, we like to do three, three at a time. And so we were talking about Mexico City uh, as well. And I was like, we could do all three episodes just right there with mm-hmm. all, all of the stuff that, that has happened. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I, I worked on a show called Haunted Towns where we said, you know, we're not going to go to the big cities and the places where that everybody knows about. We're going to go to the smaller places that have where it has a big impact on it and where, where, where it matters, where it becomes part of the culture. So instead of just being one small little thing of a, a big city's history, it's one big thing in a small town's history. Yeah, I, I love I love that when there's so much information out there already, it's like, why go to Salem? Like, there's so much information out there already. We already know that. We can go to ones that, that, we, that we don't know so much because isn't that like part of why it's fun to watch or listen to something is, you know, you don't need the same information that you already know force-fed to you in a different slick package. It's like, let's, you know, d- go think a little bit outside. And the best part about UFO show is Amy will tell you where all the best snacks are <laughs> when you go. And the yeah, good ones, you, you will, the healthy I'll, I'll ones, too. I'll set you up to, to have your own on-the-ground experience there, not not just with the UFO stuff, but I'll tell you where the good the restaurants and, and, um, and, and tourist attractions, too, you know, and to have fun while you're there. Absolutely. Well, everybody can check it out on Asai TV, A-S-Y-T-V dot com. It's UFO Show with Amy Duma. And, Amy, we thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully we can get out there and watch the skies together sometime. Absolutely. I would love to. We will stay in touch and and make a plan to do that. All right. Take care. Have a great night. Thank you for joining us.
Thanks so much. Bye, guys. Bye. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to brag a little bit here, you know, because I know that you're not a wrestling guy, Moniz. And, you know, you know some of the older wrestlers, but you haven't really been keeping it up. But uh, by my count, third WWE Hall of Famer we've had on the show. Yeah, actually. Because we've had the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, yeah. on. We've had Mick Foley on. Yep. And, and now Lita, or Amy Dumont. But, yeah. So that's, there you go. Where else can you get Hall of Fame wrestlers talking about the paranormal? Now, we, we think about this. Since we're already pretty good at, you know, talking to people that are really good mediums and stuff like that and we're good at evps maybe we could get andre well i don't know if i'd even be able to understand it if we did <laughs> well just like any other evp i would just hear like a bunch of like you just hear like a bunch of like grumbly whispering like boss as soon as he says boss i'd be like that's andre but uh absolutely like just and as i mentioned uh to amy on the phone they're out on the road yep they're traveling around the country all the time traveling around the world uh, you know, and it's not all glamorous. People think that they travel, uh, you know, by plane everywhere they go, but it's, it's in clusters when they do a show. So you're going to fly into Boston for Monday Night Raw, but then Providence is going to be the next night for SmackDown and where there's going to be a show over the weekend and another place. And so you fly into an area from what I understand, and then you drive from location to location right. in that area, in that territory that you're in. So, you are spending a lot of time just the show gets over at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. You grab all your stuff. Maybe you go and, you know, crash for a couple of hours, but then you've got to hit the road because you've got to be somewhere else by a certain time to do radio interviews before the event and TV interviews and all that kind of stuff. So it is a, a, a life spent. Don't forget rehearsal. They don't, they don't have to rehearse. <laughs> it's a fight. Yeah. Yeah. You don't rehearse a fight. Actually, it's amazing. I'll, I'll, I don't want to get into it all on the show, but it's amazing the way that they actually do it. Like, especially like the veterans, it's, there's no rehearsing at all. They just get in there and they call it on the fly and they just know because there's a psychology to it. So once you know the psychology to it, it there's just a natural progress. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't anyway, want to turn this into a wrestling nerd show because I can and I will. So, but you are spending a lot of time on the road, a lot of time either by yourself or with a couple of other people where you never know what's going to happen when you're out there on the road. And we experience it. You know, when we go to events, we will maybe drive four hours to go do an event somewhere and we'll come home. We'll drive right home afterwards. And what are we doing? Yeah, we're watching the road, but we're also watching the skies. And my one real, absolutely 100% UFO experience was coming home from a ghost hunt. And it wasn't, my four-hour ride, it was my 20-minute ride. It was right over here in New Bedford okay. on 195, seeing something that I could not explain that was Coming not back a from plane. Lizzie's, right? Yep, not a plane. Uh, it, it moved way too fast. It just, it was a very bright light in the sky that zigged, zagged, and then zigged again and disappeared. And it was moving way faster than anything man-made. It was not a sat. I mean, it was, when I say it zigged, no, I I'm talking it was instantaneous. And even being skeptical about it, my first thought was, well, what's flying from the airport at this time of night at 3 o'clock in the morning? And then I was like, what are you thinking, stupid? Call Moniz. No, no, not <laughs> even that. I was th like, what are you thinking? What's from the airport? Nothing from the airport flies like that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just naturally thinking, well, it has to be something explainable. And then, of course, my next experience being on the, on the cruise ship in the Bridgewater Triangle. I'm a Bermuda Triangle. Uh, cruise ship in the Bridgewater Triangle? It's possible. Yeah. 
the Hockamock's pretty deep in some spots. Uh, but there's, you know, just seeing the lights that we saw in the sky that were moving in a way that did not look like anything else. So, uh, and when you're with people that are experienced UFO watchers and they look up and they say, no, yeah, I don't know what that is. Then, you know, you, you've got to think that you might have had somewhat of an experience. But, uh, I like the fact some people get upset. They say, you know, Amy Dumas, she's a wrestler. She's a WWE legend, four-time women's champion. She's had a spotlight. Why does she need to, to get into this field? But I love it when somebody has a passion for something like that, and they can take their notoriety and add a little bit to the field of that passion. You know, like, just as an example, you know, Ghostbusters, one of my favorite movies, there's a wrestler named Zack Ryder who is a huge Ghostbusters fan. And helps get a documentary made about Ghostbusters and about Ghostbusters fans. You know, I like that. Okay. I like the fact that you can use your influence to to kind of help with uh, with some other things. Well, uh, you know, I'm a little older, but I I, I liken that to Henry Winkler and what he did with um, all of his backing of various paranormal shows. Yeah, Most people don't realize he did that. He was uh, the one of the producers on Sightings yep. and. And uh, well, but that's the thing is if if you have a passion for it, and you can lend a little, it lends a little bit of credibility to it as much as it does, you know, financial backing. Mm. But you say, would a show like that get made without Henry Winkler's involvement? Maybe not. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it takes that one person stepping in and saying, no, no, I'm pushing this through to have it happen, which we've seen happen with, you know, a lot of productions in in when it comes to a paranormal nature. But I, I think that this is only a good thing. It's a fun show to watch. It is, you know, it's not. If you like watching shows where, like American Pickers, or, um, you know, even some of the early seasons of Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, where you're just going to a place and you're meeting characters, okay. you're meeting people that you look at them and say, "Wow, that's like I would want to go there now and, and meet that guy." That's what is the very much the spirit of that show. And there's there's room for that. Not everything has to be, uh, let's talk to the eyewitnesses who saw this in 1967 and get their story and then try to tear holes in their story and then talk to other people that tell them what they actually saw, even though they weren't there. Yeah. You know, like, it's okay to get away from that and just let the legend be the legend. Just let the story be the story. And we can get into all that with you uh if you want to join in, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can tweet us at SpookySC. You can join us in the chat room on SpookySouthCoast.com and on our YouTube channel. I want to say hi to everybody that's in the YouTube channel. Uh, I did not get to the uh, to the question that somebody tweeted us earlier because it just didn't seem appropriate. So we got a tweet earlier from a wrestling fan that wanted to know how... Amy felt when there was a an angle with a guy named Gene Snitsky and, and her feet. This was a wrestling angle. Oh, okay. I almost tried to work it in only because Gene Snitsky, paranormal investigator. Yeah. Uh, when you think about some of the other wrestlers that are involved in paranormal stuff, like I mentioned, Chris Jericho. Yep. Uh, you know, he's he's done a number of interviews on the paranormal. He interviews paranormal people on his podcast, and he goes on other people's podcasts as well. Uh, he'll be joining us eventually on this show. We've been talking about it, but Saturday nights are a very busy night when you're a wrestler and a rock star and a television actor and a movie actor. All the stuff that he does, 
he's never home on a Saturday night. Mm. Uh, but and some of the others that are involved, you know, Dean Ambrose uh, did a whole episode of of Talk Is Jericho where they talked paranormal stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, Snitsky investigates Gremlina from Glow, the original Glow. Oh, paranormal yeah. investigator, good friend of ours. Uh, Roddy Piper was lived yeah. in a haunted house and and did not hold back on sharing those stories. So uh, the wrestling world and it's the audience is the same. A lot of the people who watch the paranormal shows are also wrestling fans. That's why Ghost Hunters always had to have the the ECW crossovers when ECW was on Sci-Fi, and that's why you see CM Punk and some of the other wrestlers going out and conducting paranormal investigations with the Ghost Hunters because there was that crossover. And it's not just that they were on the same network; it's that there's a crossover of interest. Now, whether or not we can, you know, ever get a wrestling match of Jason Hawes versus Zach Bagans, I don't know, but if anybody could put it together, it'd be me. I have access to a ring. That'd be one match I'd like to watch. I'd watch it, especially, like, these days. You know, they're both looking pretty jacked, so it'd be definitely be an interesting match. I'd put my money on Jason. I wonder if we could even do a tag team. Like, Who would you do a tag team? Jason and Steve versus Zach and Aaron? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Just, I, you know. I, I, hey, we can make it happen. <laughs> we'll throw Belanger in there as the referee. Yeah, <laughs> be perfect. I think that would work. And uh, me and Dave Schrader can comment, do the commentating on the side, and we can even get, uh, I'm sure there's a Spanish paranormal broadcaster that we can have be the Spanish announced team. Because somebody's got to go through that table. That's the only way that it's going to work. Uh, but we can. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve says in the chat room, Grant Wilson would win that match. Yeah, he'd just come in on a run and just lay out everybody. <laughs> uh, but uh, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you want to call in and get involved. Uh, we didn't get a chance. Uh, we, we mentioned a little bit last week, Moniz, but um, we lost another paranormal legend recently with uh, with Brad Steiger's passing. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's led to a lot of people going back and looking up some of his stuff that might not, you know, they were familiar with hearing him on, on some, some radio shows and podcasts, but I don't think people really gave his research and his, his storytelling enough due. He's the one that got, got me really hooked into the paranormal. He had like a hundred and something different books. And they were all a variety of different topics. Right. You know, he, he, he was like, people love to talk about the diversity of a Nick Redfern and all the different things that he copies. But I think Nick Redfern would tell you he's just Brad Steiger, you know, in, in his approach. The same idea of giving all the information about a wide variety of weirdness and then trying to give you as much information as he can. And then it's up to you to kind of decide, like, what you want to believe and what you want to feel is connected. Well, uh, Brad, Brad Steiger being on our show was in the early days. Uh, that to me, you know, still stands out in my mind. You know, it's amazing to me how much, uh, big name people in the paranormal world were willing to come on this show in those early days. Yeah. Now they'd be like, screw you. You guys are terrible. <laughs> but back then they were like, oh, we don't know who you are yet. So, okay. Yeah. But uh, we had some some great discussions, and uh, and I think we're getting back into that. As I said, you know, that's kind of our focus uh, this year with the show is to try to get more deeper into the conversations. And I think that we've been been doing a pretty interesting job of that. I, I got very you got to. I know you weren't here last week; you were under the weather. But you got to go back and listen to last week's show okay. because it's 
some of the alternate theories, stuff that we've been talking about for years, but the fact that there are other researchers, and, and Brandon Masulo is not a ghost researcher in the same way that we are. He's somebody that is, uh, he's a psychologist and a parapsychologist, but he's coming at it from a very different perspective than a lot of us are. He's just as much fascinated by, and I kind of am too, as much of the people having the experiences than the experiences themselves. So he's more like a Lloyd Auerbach. I think so. I think, I think like Lloyd gets too much into the, the what and the how of the experience. Okay. And, and Brandon looks more at like a little bit of a bigger picture, but I think that if you listen to it, you'll you'll uh, you'll understand it better when you hear him more than I'm uh, giving giving justice to it. But that's where we have to go with this research now. Is we have to we've we've spent enough time on the trees. Like now we have to zoom out and look at the forest because we have enough pieces to start tying things together and. That's. It used to be fascinating to me that other people had experiences. Now it's just accepted. Like now, I just know that they do. So now I want to see the bigger version of it and the bigger reason behind it. And Brad Steiger was a guy that certainly looked at things from that perspective. You know, he would look at it from what does it mean, but he wouldn't try to tell you mm-hmm. what it meant. Which I don't think that really can fly anymore with today's researchers. I think Nick Redfern is one of the few guys that gets away with it. To say, here's just what people say, you walk away from it, you think about it, you make up your own mind. When a lot of people will read a book or watch a television show and they expect to have an answer by either the final page or the last five minutes of the show. They want somebody to say, here exactly is what I think happened and here's what what really happened and so now I've I've explained it all to you. People don't like loose ends anymore. I think the whole point of having the loose ends is to exercise your mind. Correct? It, yeah, it's, it's, we're not supposed to have every answer to everything. Right. Because if you do, you stop asking questions. If, yeah. <laughs> if the answer can be readily provided to you, then that's, that's not really learning. Learning, yeah. learning isn't finding the answer. Learning is finding the path to the answer. And the other thing is you also should question the answers that we already have. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a thing that, you know, oh, good example of this. I'll, I'll say this word and people, oh, there's nothing to this. We already know the answer to this. Crop circles. Right. Okay. First thing that comes to be, oh, the, that was found to be a hoax. These two guys, Doug and Dave, you know. No. Some of them. But yeah. And, you know, some $20 bills are counterfeit too. Not, right. doesn't mean every $20 bill is a counterfeit. Right. Uh, one of the, the things that I've, I've, thought about too is if we did just get everything handed to us if if we just did get every answer you lose not only the critical thinking that you learn by asking the questions but you lose the journey of finding that answer yeah like i i was never somebody that when i was in school and i'm learning how to do something I didn't really get all that excited when the teacher would explain to me what the answer was and why. I got excited when I figured out what it was when I didn't think that I could. And that's what I think paranormal research needs to be. You know, it needs to be people finding the answer for themselves in the way that makes sense to them for their own growth and for their own development. And there's, and there's too much of a reliance on 
just taking what everybody else says and using that as gospel. I, I don't want to make this political, but if you look at the fact that, okay, you know how much I hate the phrase fake news because I, I think it's being improperly used and I think that it's being uh, used as a deflection technique and it's just become commonplace so that if something doesn't, you don't agree with something or you don't want to believe something, you can just dismiss it as fake news. But I will say this, it's teaching people, the smart ones at least, the ones who are willing to say, well, not everything can be fake, so let me look into this more myself. It's teaching people to be better critical thinkers. And okay, what, I would agree with that, yeah. What's funny is, you know, you hear people argue with, uh, you know, especially people from the right saying, you know, you can't trust the mainstream media, the mainstream media lies, it's all being made up. And first of all, they're... That isn't completely correct. All media lies. Well, they're... Some of it intentionally, some of it, you know, through error. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think there's still oh. quite a bit of journalism that's pure. Uh, the problem is, is they're watching CNN at 8 o'clock at night and seeing a talk show host talking head and assuming that that is news. Right. And that's not news. They're talking to the people who are doing the reporting and giving their own opinions. Right. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to digress on that. But I remember being in 6th, 7th, 8th grade and studying current events, and they would make us take the newspaper and find a story that interests us and cut the story out of the newspaper and read it and write down other questions that we would ask about it and write down what we thought might be wrong about it and all that stuff and learn how to critically read what was being reported. Like the dirty secret of most journalism these days is, you know, everybody's saying, well, it's fake news, it's fake news, this this outlet's reporting fake news, this outlet's reporting fake news, is, is the fact that everybody just is regurgitating what everybody else is reporting. So it's not like every newspaper is against Donald Trump, just as an example. It's that one news story might seem like it's being against Donald Trump, and it's being run in multiple newspapers. People aren't even bothering to look at seeing the byline and seeing if it's Associated Press or if it's unique to that paper. So that's part of the issue. But, you know, I'm, my, my point with all of this is that same critical thinking that we were supposed to be using in reading the newspapers and to realize that news might not be fake. It may be slanted, but it's not fake. There's still some kernel of truth to what they're telling you. They might just be putting a spin on the information that they're giving you. And it's the same thing with the paranormal. Or selectively editing something. Yeah. It's, it's and especially selective editing when it comes to the paranormal because yeah. you will get a book that somebody will write to tell you, you know, here's the definitive truth on crop circles. Right. But they're leaving out cases that don't fit their argument. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't know about them. They probably do and chose not to add them to the book right. because it doesn't matter. You know, it's like somebody who decides to write a book about about the Fox sisters and ends it with the Fox sisters uh, with, I think it was Maggie saying that, well, we made it all up. You know, we, we were perpetrators of, of a great hoax because we wanted the money and we made it all up. And they end the book with that and say that's proof that spiritualism and, and, and mediumship is not real. But what they're not following up on is the fact that she later recanted that and so that she made that statement under duress. So you're crafting the story to fit your opinion or to fit the agenda that you have right. when it only takes a Wikipedia search to know that there's more to the story. 
I'll give you a good example of something similar that, like you're talking about, politically in the media. All right? Uh, now, you know I have no great love for the current administration, but the, I saw this, on you know, calling immigrants animals. It was a set, and it's selective editing. It was talking about MS-13, but, you know, you, well, you clip it here and there. And, and I know it's thing in the past, but what I'm saying is stuff like what you're talking about, something like that. Not to, I, this isn't, this isn't a political statement, but part of the problem with that is he, you know, the president doesn't always do a very good job of saying things in a way that they can't be turned against him. Right. And I think part of that is on purpose. I think part of that is he says things in a way that can be used ambiguously so that people can turn it against him so he has something to fight against and to rail against. You know, it's, it, he's like, I'm going to give you a little fuel for the fire because that fire that you shoot at me fires me up to shoot back at you. So I think there's a little bit of that at play. My own personal opinion. Maybe he's not thinking that much ahead either and he, you know, <laughs> talks off the cuff and he, he's just not good at it. Correct. Uh, so... Like, but I'm saying that's a, I, I, that's an example of what you're talking about. They, you take a select news media. Like I said, you're just talking about something political at the moment. But yeah, and, you, I, and you, I can't. I legal. I really can't by rule at the station talk about things politically. That's why I'm trying to be careful. Oh, okay, sorry. I'll move off topic here. But, no, no. no but, but I'm saying the principle is the same about the paranormal. If somebody wants to slant something about the paranormal one way or the other, that that's that's the common thing that's done. The fake news version of it oh we found that this particular case isn't really this because we we looked into this and found that there's only this not mentioning that there was also this that and the other thing backing it up but that doesn't help your point so you don't make mention of that and and i i feel like in paranormal research now there's a a huge feeling uh i don't even know if it's like a conscious thing that people are aware of as they're doing it but social media has had an impact on it because there's very much, when you're on an investigation, there's very much a, I can't wait to post this, or I want to know what kind of reaction I'll get to. The, I'm not saying with everybody, but for a lot of the stuff that you see out there, there's a lot of, like, this is going to be something that I will get a lot of attention for on social media. Okay. And that's not what you should be gearing your research toward. I referred to it a few weeks ago as selfie paranormal <laughs> when it comes to like, I just want to take a picture of myself standing outside this haunted prison so that I can put it on my Facebook and everybody will be like, oh, wow, you got to go there. That's so awesome. But in actuality, you know, it's, it's, there's, should be nothing wrong with that. Like there should be nothing wrong with taking a photo. Like you're there. Documentation. Yeah. Well, not only that, like not even from a research perspective, but oh. just like, you got to go to a really cool place. Take a picture and put it on your Facebook. No different than you, you know, hey, look, yeah. I went to, you know. I'm at Disney World. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what social media is for. But it starts to create that mindset of other people that are looking at what you're doing and saying, oh, he's just in it to take a picture outside that place. Or when you go to a paranormal convention and it's like, oh, he's just going there to take pictures with, you know, whatever celebrities he can take a picture with. Yeah. And, well, you know. If that's what you're there for doing it, fine. And just don't, you know, try and confuse yourself with being, you know, a, a true researcher. You're just there for the, you know, legend trip. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. 
I mean, they're some of the best people we know. Yeah. Uh, some of our friends that we've made in, in doing this work, they don't have any interest in going out on, on a weekend with a, with a team or, you know, helping a residential case or anything like that. They just want to go to events and they just want to go and have fun and maybe have an experience. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we, and this goes back into a, it's like a softball league versus, you know, some of you trying to go into double or triple A type right. thing. Yeah. We've, we've had this argument a lot over the years too of, you know, what do you owe this research if you do it? What do you owe to it? I feel like we spent a lot of time in the early days of the show saying, if you are going to call yourself a paranormal investigator, a paranormal researcher, then you have to go out and represent all of us. Like, so when you knock on somebody's door and say, hi, I'm Matt Moniz, I'm a paranormal researcher. Uh, I, I've known some people who've lived in this house before and have had experiences. I was wondering if you'd let me come in and, and conduct an investigation here. You know, we used to feel like you were speaking for all of us because in a way you are. You're speaking yeah. in a way for everybody that does that work and you're representing everybody that does that work. But here we are all these years later and nobody else speaks for me. I do my own thing. And if I wanted to go and knock on somebody's door and somebody was like, oh, well, I've had a paranormal researcher that's been here before and, you know, uh, they, they just screwed around and they ate the food out of my fridge and they stole <laughs> something from me and, you know, they were wearing my wife's underwear, whatever. That only happened once. It, and you actually thought you had permission because yeah. they said whatever you needed to do was fine. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, if somebody says that to me, I no longer just sit there and say, oh, well, you know, one person ruined it for the rest of us. No, I stand up for myself and I say, well, that wasn't me. That's not who I am. And, you know, here's a list of references of people that you can talk to that will tell you that I'm not like that. And so I think as we get away from feeling like not everybody represents all of us, maybe we can get away from the idea that not everybody speaks for all of us either. Right. And then we can have some more individualized thinking and some more individualized theories. Still coughing. Yeah. Still, still have the allergies. I'm glad that whatever it was I had, my face was leaking like Niagara Falls last week. Niagara Falls. Yeah. It's not fun. But we should just keep that on a, on a drop. <laughs> ready to fire off anytime anybody mentions it. It might only come up like two or three times in a decade, but it would be worth it to have it and to have it ready. Like Susquehanna Hat Company? There's there's a lot. Like We used to have a lot of Stooges drops when we originally created all the drops that we were going to do on the show, and then we decided not to, which was probably better because all these shows would get flagged now <laughs> for using. And everybody's in the chat room, slowly I turn. So they, they knew where that was going. Um but I, I, I also feel, too, that uh, we need to have more just open discussions about things as opposed to everybody just taking offense so easily to everything. Yeah. That's – Yeah. Listen, I've been wrapped up in some paranormal drama over the last we couple all, of weeks. Oh, well, yeah. This is <laughs> paranormal media drama, we'll call okay. it. Okay. And, uh, and, and it's – in the end, like – I'm thinking about, I'm like, we're spending a lot of time thinking about something that, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. No, not really. Like, for four hours, three or four hours a night, somebody might be doing a radio show that 
people don't agree with. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. That we're just gonna get we're gonna get flagged now because I just quoted Lincoln Park lyrics. Yeah. So this will get pulled from YouTube. Uh, I didn't sing it though. I did sing this week though. I'll play that for you guys later because it's not something that it's not for public consumption. You you sang on. Yeah, I, uh, I made I made a parody song. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I'll uh, I'll play it for you later. Paranormal themed or? Um, it's tied into all this drama. That's why I don't want to promote it on the oh, show. Okay. Well, we're it's, it's not really nice show. for another host to call out another host. All right. So, okay. but it had over 370 views. Nice. I know. It's like the most successful song I've ever done. <laughs> like, cause usually when I have parody songs, it's just stuff that I would. You should, um, just release it under the, 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 um, pen name, um, DJ uh, Shack Hack. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I like that. Yeah. We may we might have to go with that. But you know, you you worked with me for years where I would just make up my own lyrics to the songs that were on the radio. But they were just very like they were hyper localized to where we were working. And only about the customer. Oh, by the way, uh Charlie died. Charlie. Uh Charlie Akins. Oh really? Yeah, oh. he was sick. So uh, he was, uh, for, for any of you who have listened to some of our previous episodes about the Fearing Tavern, mm-hmm. uh, which we're actually going back to in, in July, uh, you can find out on Spooky South Coast website. Uh, but, uh, he was one of the last people that lived in the Fearing Tavern before it was turned from being a residence back into the way that it looked in 1690. Uh, so whenever I would always say, like, I talked to somebody who lived in the house and he told me, you know, nothing ever happened there and, you know, this was and this and this and it was, that's who it was. So, uh, he passed away after a long illness, uh, this week. Um, but, yeah. So I'll play the song for you guys later. It's, and no, anybody that's listening to the show, you can't go out there and find it. The Bell Gap people know where it is, but the rest of you can't find it. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a private video. Okay. It's, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Cause after I was done, I was like, I just sang. And I'm not a good singer. No argument there. And I did it the wrong way. I sang the vocals, and then I went out and found an instrumental backing track. So like, <laughs> it's all the timing's all off. And it's all probably that. what makes it worth it. Well, speaking of worth it, I got to tell you about something that's definitely worth it. If you like nice, soft, comfortable T-shirts, and I know everybody in the chat room is getting excited. I'm not talking about these, but we will get a comeback of these spooky South Coast shirts. Excellent. People keep asking. So we're probably going to do a, a, a thing where people can order them and then it'll be like six to eight weeks for delivery because once the orders come in, then I will order them from, from Vince. We're not sitting on a bunch of them that we can't afford to buy. And then we'll take that money that people spend on the t-shirts and we'll use it to buy more t-shirts and we'll try to keep them all in stock so we don't have the same problem that we had 10 years ago when we bought these. They held up well. Yeah, they actually have. But what also holds up well are the shirts from Parabox Monthly. They're silk screened onto soft style t-shirts, super comfortable, and you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt that you'll forget that there's actually a puzzle built into it. So they can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. So you can have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. You can choose from a month-to-month plan, a three-month plan, or a six-month plan. No contracts. You can cancel any time. You've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. They have paranormal themes like ghosts and haunted locations, UFO encounters and aliens, 
folklore and legends, cryptozoology, and urban legends. So you can pick from any one of those paranormal themes. You can go and pick whatever plan that you want to follow. Just go to paraboxmonthly.com. And if you want to save a little dough, you can use the promo code SPOOKYLIVE and get 10% off. Hmm. So paraboxmonthly.com. Use the promo code SPOOKYLIVE and get 10% off. Also, uh, you can follow them on uh, Instagram. They put up some funny stuff every once in a while, some weird stuff. That's where I got that um, the Laurel thing. Oh, that with, was really with, good. With the Ghost Asylum. I don't, I don't know if they made it or not, but they shared it, and then I stole it from them. I gave them credit, of, of course, but um, that was that was a great clip. That it really shared. was. If you haven't seen it, if you go to the Spooky South Coast Instagram account, which is just Spooky underscore South Coast, right? Yep. So if you go to that on Instagram and you'll see the clip there, it's uh, it's from Ghost Stalkers, and it's uh, okay ties into the whole Laurel Yanny thing. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was doing a little research on that. That it's an interesting phenomenon. It, for me, I'm able to hear Yanni when played through a television or radio. But if I go listen to it through my phone speakers or through a set of headphones, I can hear Laurel. Well, they're not the same. They're not the same frequency. No. From, from the different speakers or headphones that you use. Right. So that's where it's, that's where it lies is in the frequencies. From what I understand. The filtering. Yeah. I guess both are right. They're both in there. But it's just whichever one you can hear is dependent on your hearing and dependent on the frequency, the frequency at which it's being broadcast. Right. So, uh, and then, uh, well, I can't think of the word, um, but what's what's the word when they 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 make a word and they design it, you know, a certain way? Oh yeah, I saw the visual uh, yeah, like, Laurel. Yeah, um, with, yeah, I can't remember the name of it either, but I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, I'm sure somebody in the in the chat room uh, will know what it is. But yeah, they've they've even made it visual a visual phenomenon as well. But it's really interesting. Like as we were playing it here, like people are getting into fights about it. It's like, you know, they're both right. You don't yeah. have to fight. It's which one do you hear? It's not like, I don't know how you people can hear Yanni. It's definitely Laurel. Uh, but, of course, Laurel is the right answer. But still, like, that's <laughs> Mac, Mac got it. But, uh, the, but that's the, that, that's the, uh, the rub that we go through when we're going through audio. And we think that we hear a certain thing. And we play it for somebody else, and they hear something totally different. And we can never understand why. Like, how can you not hear they're saying, I'm dead? No, uh, it sounds to me like they're saying, I'm looking for a pizza. Yeah. I don't know. I just yeah, try no. to make that up. But And that's what we go through all the time. So I was like, well, maybe the common person that doesn't do paranormal research kind of understands what we go through a little bit. But maybe now people who do paranormal research and focus on EVPs will understand that, oh, this is why people hear something different. Yeah. So I'm I'm just waiting to, I was waiting for the chat room to start firing up with who thought it was Laurel and who thought it was Yanni. But Barry actually played it on the radio here the other day and was taking phone calls from people and only like two or three people called in and chimed in on it. And I thought he was going to have the phone lines lit up for like an hour <laughs> with people just saying, I don't know how you people can hear that. And I'm not, not that every caller sounds like that, but. Like, what, a chain smoker that's been. Some of them do. Yeah. Oh, they, they talked about it on the air or? They did. Yeah, I was, I was playing it from the newsroom for Barry. 
uh, over the year and, and like over the like it was so clearly Laurel from the way that we were playing it. But people were calling in and saying like, oh, it sounds like Annie to me. Like I said, it it all depends upon what you're listening to it from. Well, I think when it, when it goes over the AM airwaves, it's uh, the the frequency kind of changes, and I can I can see it. We've on, got so on many certain, on certain, filters and certain, processors. Well, and on certain AM radios, I'm sure, like there's more uh, more of the higher frequencies than lows. I will tell you that uh, I played it because uh, the day that it broke, it well, the day that I I found out about it was Tuesday, and on Tuesday nights on the WBSM YouTube channel, we have a show called Positive Pets with my friend Melissa hosting it, and. So she was hosting, and she had her friend coming in, Lisa, to be the guest on the show. And I sit over there in, in Matt's corner, and I direct the video. So when they came in, when they came in, I said, "Hey, have you guys heard about this whole Laurel Yanny thing?" And I was playing it for them. And so I pointed it at Melissa sitting here in this chair, and I heard Laurel. But then when I pointed the speaker over to Lisa and played it for her, I heard Yanny. Yeah. So same speaker. But it just had to do with the angle you know, of where I was hearing it. So it's it's, it's all very interesting, and I, I think that people are starting to have an appreciation more for what we go through when we – and I, I tried to explain to Barry that when we do EVP work, it's very important not to tell people the first time, like, what they're supposed to hear because then they will hear it. You know, by putting the power of suggestion in there, that's what they're listening for. So I said, you know, it's – if you want to really set it up for people, you don't want to say to them, hey, are you hearing Laurel or Yanny? You just want to play it for them and, and see what they say. Did you check out the other one that I posted where if you think the word before it plays, it... I'm sure that influences it. Yeah. Um, I'll play it for you later. You can check it's, it out. It, uh, and it just goes to show, like, it reiterates what I always say, like, you should never tell somebody what an EVP is. Well, that's... I did a little experiment with my roommate, Joe. I was looking at this thing and saying, okay, I'm thinking this word. Then I thought this word, and it repeats the same word I'm thinking each time. I, so say, it was like, I read an article about that, too. It's, it's, I think it's called like um, something like the uh, the uh, Durkin phenomenon or something. Something like that. Yeah. Now, what was interesting is I played, is like I told my roommate, Joe, hey, I'm going to play this for you. You tell me what you hear. And... I played it for him. He said something completely different from the two words. It's like, mm. so he had no preconceived notion mm. ahead of time. So it's like, okay, now read this and then, then play it. It's like, he started one word and then the other's like, wow, that's creepy. And you said that that's called the Durkin phenomenon? I, I, I could be wrong. Something like that, yeah. Like that. As opposed to the Durkin phenomenon. What's the Durkin? Those fantastic potato sticks that you just can't <laughs> yeah. find anymore. Right. But those were phenomenal. They, they were phenomenal. Oh, yeah. The blue and white can, and yeah, you know, my mom called them pixie sticks. Yeah, but they were they were dirty potato sticks. And I haven't seen them in forever. Yeah, those one of my mother's favorites. Yeah, where'd they go? I want some right now. <laughs> I want, I want some pixie sticks. Some 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 dirty potato sticks. Right. I used to tell her like, mom, the pixie sticks are the candy ones, yeah. like with the powder inside of it. Like these are potato sticks, but she still would call them right. It had like that gonna, weird like foil like pull off thing. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna call her tomorrow because, or I'll text her tomorrow because she will know where to find them. She'll be like, oh, you, you have to like drive 1,800 miles to this store in, you know, Bayonne, New Jersey, or something, and like knock on the door at 3:30 in the afternoon, and <laughs> they'll pull them out of the back room because she loved them so. I can, and I remember like, you know, 
you go to the store, you get like the little container that was kind yeah. of like, should have been enough for a couple of people to share, but you'd end up eating the whole container yourself anyway. But then sometimes you would get the big ass container. <laughs> and that big ass container, like, they, the sticks were longer yeah. than the bigger container. So you like, you got to like really, oh man. Here we go. Paranormal right. and snacks again. Right. And a lot of people confuse those with the handicap fries, and they're not the same. No, no, definitely not. No. Not the same thing at all. Handicap pub fries. Yeah, even though those are delicious too. They are good. Especially Especially the hot those ones. are those are thicker, and they just have a different consistency. Mm-hmm. Like the the potato sticks are so thin, and like just snap off. Yeah, and you just shove a bunch in your mouth and chomp away. Now, did you break them up into smaller pieces? No, I just shoved them all in my mouth. Yeah, that's what I did, too. I used to love on the longer ones to, like, just put a bunch in my mouth and then, like, not use my hands, but just, like, bite them and, like, you know what I mean? Like, take take them into my... This is getting weird. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I also also just did one of my... uh, Maybe we'll do this sometime on a Facebook Live video or on on an Instagram or something, but uh, just last week I did my... uh, Teeny Juice performance. What's this? I hadn't done my pe- Teeny Juice performance in years. I almost didn't do it. You, you don't. You remember this? Where I would take, you know, the Teeny I Juices. I remember. You know, little Teeny Juices. Right. I would take one of those and rip open the top. Yep. You put, gotta get. You gotta get all the foil off because you're. Yes. You'll definitely cut your mouth. Yeah. No. You have to take all the foil off. I'd yep. put my mouth over it, and then hold my hands out, tilt my head back. And just sculpt the whole thing down <laughs> in one shot. Okay. Without using my hands. And like people would always ask me like at every party that we had them at to do it. And I hadn't done it in a long time and I I, I did it uh on on uh, I think on Mother's Day and uh, and I survived. Oh. So maybe I'll have to do it do it on a video. It's not that big of an accomplishment, but it's still like people still say, Hey, do that trick. <laughs> I don't even know how I started doing it. And I don't know why I even drink those things. Because while we're going down the snack route here, there's a difference between, like, there's, there's, we all know there's juice that's like not real juice, you know, like yeah. juice flavored water compound sugar right. mix stuff. But this goes beyond that. The stuff that's in those teeny juices is the same garbage that's in flavor ice. Like it's the exact same thing. It's just not frozen. Right. And yeah. it's still terrible no matter what. So, I still drink them, and I still eat fro- flavor ice. I used to have a chest freezer in my basement. The only thing I had in the chest freezer was flavor ice. And I would go down, and I'd never go down and get one. I'd go down and get like seven or eight. <laughs> Just flavor ice, no hoodsy cups, no... No hoodsy cups, no. Nothing? No. Wow. For a while, we had a turkey in there. <laughs> and then the turkey yeah. went bad, because the, the fuse blew. But uh, we don't have the chest freezer anymore, because... We were just wasting money on it because it was just for my flavor right. ice. That was great about those because if they thawed out, you just freeze them again. What? Yeah, yeah, flavor yeah. ice, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the the funny thing is, is like sometimes I would open them up yep. and just drink them before they were frozen. And yep. everybody's like, "How can you drink those? They're not even frozen." I'm like, "It's the same as a teeny juice." Oh, you're talking about the the hugs? Yes, hugs. Yes. Okay. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Are those the same? Is that the same um, quote unquote juice as in? Um, <laughs> You know those bottles that are in, they're like wax, wax bottles that you chew? Yeah. yeah where, you I don't know. Like, where you get like a half wow, a Wow, you're going, you're going back always. Oh, yeah. I don't well, know. We had a candy shop like at the end of my street, so it was for a little while at least. 
I used to like the, um, sorry. I used to like the Hansel and Gretel's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss Hansel and Gretel's. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the, <laughs> I know you're, you're thinking about the story of why they closed. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know you are. I just went somewhere with that. <laughs> um, that's, that's for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought you were talking about, um, the other one on Route 6. Uh, Country Market. That, oh, yeah, yeah. That place was always good too. Yeah. Those were, well, there, was, you, uh, there was, there was a slow death of, uh, the old company penny, store too. Any yeah. candy places. Yeah, the old company yeah. store. Right. But then company store, they got, kitschy. They got full, full of like, um, if, I don't know, like, yeah, more gift like, stuff than, like gifty stuff. And then their penny candy they went They had all to, the hot like, sauce and, they went to nickel <clears> candy. <throat> and they went to quarter well, candy. Inflation. It's crazy. If anybody out there is, I blame uh, Obama. <laughs> if anybody out there is uh, listening and is wealthy and wants to uh, purchase a candy store, Billy Boy Candies is for sale. Oh, wow. Really? So you could have access to all the penny candy you could eat until you throw up. Well, we still have, we're in Fairhaven. We got Dorothy Cox right down the street. Well, Dorothy Cox is in Wareham now, too. They make all the chocolate in Wareham. Really? In the industrial oh, yeah, park, yeah. yeah. But my, uh, my old science teacher works there. Which one? Uh, Miss Dennis. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if you, you remember her. I remember her. I didn't yeah. know that she worked there. Uh, so there's the the wax bottle candy, because I'm not going to let this go now, because now that we've gone down the snack path. <laughs> snack aisle. So because, uh, you know, I've always been a big soda fan growing up, I wouldn't buy the juice ones. I bought the soda ones. Oh, yeah. The soda wax bottle ones. I remember those. Those were good, too. Weren't they like the... They were like supposed to be name brand. They like yeah. said it was like Seven Up, but it was like something I don't know, like Seven Up. Yeah, yeah. Or like seven six, out. six Up, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I, Dr. I just Doctor Cherry. I just remember it being like cola, mm. like it just said cola on it. Um, the, just real quick. Because I don't, I don't want to spend the whole rest of the show talking about candy. But you can if you want. Call in 508-996-0500. Real quick, give me three candy, three candies that you won't eat. Oh God, um, probably the first one would be Mary Jane's. I'm not really big on those. Um, right, I agree. Yeah, they're a little. You have one, and that's enough for a decade. <laughs> I'm going to put bit of honey in the same category as Mary Jane's because okay. they're the same candy. Yeah, basically. Yeah. The other one I'm not really fond of is any type of saltwater taffy. And probably the last would be Almond Joy, mainly because I'm not really a, not a coconut fan. No, me either, really. But I do like, I do like a mounds every now and then. I don't mind those, but I don't really like coconut. Mm. Weird. How about you, Matt? Uh, number one, I, I already, I'm full, fully prepared for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could go on forever. Actually. I think we're gonna. I, I could, think we're I gonna have, bitch about candy all day. I think we're gonna have a, a similar answer, you and I. Uh, marshmallow peeps is my, my number one. Okay, um, I don't. I would I'm okay consider with that a candy, but okay. No, no, I, uh, it's fine. Necco wafers okay. are number two. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't um, even put them on my list. And I think three is tied for with Smarties and uh, Boston baked beans. I don't love either one, but I don't turn them away. So you want to know my three? See, this is the one that I thought we would have had similar. Fortune gum. I 
Even though it's even though it's gross, I do like the fortune and I like the novelty behind it. So you'll eat it even though it's terrible. I like the the novelty wins me over. Uh, so I don't like fortune gum. Uh, the the uh, Mary Jane slash bit of bit of honey will be in in my list as well. Uh, Necco wafers I would have put in there, but they get beat out by button candy. Oh God! That With is the paper. That's true. That is the worst because I don't see the point. Button of... candy is the worst thing that was ever invented. Like, I don't know. They don't taste like anything. You, you can't. They you taste like paper. paper. You, you can't paper. pull it off the paper. No. So you have to bite it off the paper, and you will inevitably eat the paper. And there's not enough flavor in that little tiny button of the button candy to overpower the taste of paper. It's like that was a candy that was created to give to kids so they would stop asking for candy. Also, uh, Gabaru uh, said uh, black licorice. Oh, no, the worst. Yep. I don't mind it. No, I hate black licorice. Bla- Blackjack bubblegum? Blackjack gum? Yeah, oh, yeah, same thing. Have that? Yeah. But the we have some blackjack gum over there. Well, we did until we cleaned it oh, up. Yeah. Yep. But the other uh, the other thing, though, the, the weird thing about like licorice in general, don't like licorice, don't like anisette. Don't mind Jägermeister. Raisinets. Yeah, Jäger. Raisinets, uh, Matthew Arrow. I love Raisinets. They're so, like... Nature's candy. Chocolate-covered raisins? Phenomenal. <laughs> they're uh, deceiving. You think they're going to be, like, A junior chocolate. Mint. No, like, no. Or, like, would have a peanut, a delicious peanut inside, but then you're like, ah, oh, fruit. No, deceiving are donuts fruit. that look like Boston cream but have <laughs> lemon in them. How about malted milk balls? Those aren't uh, bad. I... I, those are on my list too. I don't like, I don't love them, but I prefer the, what's the ones that have the caramel inside? Goobers? No. Sugar, that's what, sugar those babies? Are, yeah, sugar babies. Sugar babies are good. Sugar daddies uh, or whatever. We have a caller on the line. I'm pretty sure he's calling to call about snacks. Uh, good evening. You were on Spooky South Coast. Hey, Tim. It's Mark Colacusa. How you I, doing? I, hello. I do, I, I saw you pop up on the caller ID, so I was like, there's, he's definitely either calling about snacks or he's trying to rein us in from talking about snacks. No, no, One no. One of the two. about snacks, of course. Okay. The Penny Candy Store, and that's the name of it, in Sharon on Route 1 has all that old candy. And is it still. a penny? And rooms and rooms of candy. Wow. Can I get it for a penny? No, you can't get it for a penny. But it's pretty close. Like, it's actually pretty cheap. Because I remember literally rooms and rooms of candy in the store. You're 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 you you are familiar with Randolph. So did you ever go to uh, Minahan's Handy Store in, in Randolph? No. That's where I used to get all my penny. It's not there anymore. I think they tore it down and built a house in its place. But that's where I used to get all my penny candy. Walking down from my grandmother's house, and I remember going there with my grandfather one time, and he flipped out because it was no longer a penny for a bullseye. It was five cents. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. That's what he That's said. He said, I used to get five for a nickel. Now I'm only getting one. See, when I was a kid, I grew up in Avon, on one side of Avon, and we went to Pappy's, and then we made the big move the other side of the traffic light in Avon, and then we went down to Fisher's Market, and I got a dollar one time. I got 100 Tootsie Rolls. I was like... <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Pappy's yeah, was, a, was, Pappy's a, was a liquor store, right? Didn't they didn't they sell liquor at Pappy's? Not at first, not when I was a kid. Okay, I just I remember. No, no, you know what I'm thinking of? Big Jim's. Oh yeah, sure. That was my first job. Yep, I used to get candy in. Yeah, sure. I used to get candy in there. That was the first place I ever got combos. Oh yeah, like in the 80s. So yeah, then they had videos and everything. 
It was it was a pretty good stuff. He was going to get pizza ovens, and then he went out of business. Well, you you can't. How can you be in pizza business anyway, being that close to Linwood? Oh no, no, it's far enough. And you would have liquor store and videos and pizza all in one spot. Are you kidding me? You're you're like in, but you're in the triangle there. You've got Town Spa, you've got Zach's, you've got Linwood. You're screwed. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of good pizza down there. Is, uh, uh, we got into a fight with this on, on Facebook with somebody who's like, there is no good pizza anywhere in New England. Like, nope, Whoa. there's the pizza triangle. I disagree. Oh, my God. If you got you got the Zach's, if you want the big yeah. Greek-style slices, you got the Linwood, if you want the barroom style. And you got Cape Cod Cafe on the other side with the huge pepperoni slices. Yeah. yeah, And, and the Town Spa is kind of that barroom style, too, isn't it? I haven't been there in a long Town time. Town Spa is neck-to-neck with Linwood, and then in Easton there's a place, Buddy's Union Villa. doesn't get much play, but it's right between Linwood and Town Spa. What about Emma's? Which one? Emma's. In Bridgewater? Emma's is okay. I, I think it's overrated. I like the commercials. I agree. Emma's is like a college kids thing. Yeah. Like, if they yeah. weren't near the college, yeah, I don't think they'd, they'd get as much. But uh, take it from me, people. If you're not from this area and you're coming to this area, or if you are from this area and you've just never had it, Go to Linwood. It's not, I don't even think it's on the menu anymore, but if you ask for it, they'll make it. The bean special. Oh, no, that's on it. Okay. That's last the time, number one. Is it? Okay. Because yeah. last time I went in there, I didn't see it on the board. Only cash, still to this day. Only cash? Yeah. Do they, still, do they still serve the draft Go beers in those little tiny glass jars, uh, little glass, tiny glasses? Yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> and you also, if I remember correctly, you can't play the games on Sunday. Yeah, I haven't been there on a Sunday in a while. I did. They keep changing the pinball machine game. They had a pinball machine. They had that but bowling. That bowling game. You know the bowling game, game where you like they oh, have yeah, to sawdust yep. the board and yep. like, and it's basically like shuffleboard, but it's bowling. Yep. They yep. would always be turned off on Sundays, and I finally found out years later why. Some sort of blue law. It was their entertainment license didn't cover Sundays. It would have oh. been more money to have an entertainment license for Sundays, so they only had it for their Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday. Yeah, I just picked up a part-time job at night at a uh, a local police department, we'll say. And when I'm right down the street from it, I have to go there after after doing OJT and grab a pizza. It's just, it's the law. You have to. Mark, one of these nights, we're going to make you bring us a bean special. Done. All right. All right, I'll talk to you. All right, take care. That's, uh, he's, he, we have this recorded. Yes. This is this is forever and ever now. He can't now, go back on his word. Going to pizza. What about Mark Anthony's? I'm well, of I'm, course. Mark Anthony's is excellent. Yeah. Everybody loves Mark Anthony's. It's actually known uh, a lot further than just. Local. Oh yeah. No, oh, you talk to people about like this area. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, is that near Mark Anthony's Pizza?" Yeah. They're like, "I don't know anything about that area except Mark Anthony's Pizza." Yeah. You try and talk about Onset. Oh, uh, that's where Mark Anthony's. You right. know that? <laughs> I, I literally gave a discussion about s- spiritualism and about uh, spiritualist camps mm-hmm. in, where was I? It was when I was in Salem. And because I was, it was either, it was either Salem or Rhode Island. I can't remember what it was. I gave that lecture in mm-hmm. both places uh, last year and. And when I said, you know, Onset was one of the biggest spirituals camps, and somebody also said, yeah, Mark Anthony's Pizza. I was like, well, <laughs> see, there you go. Uh, Matt's getting uh, uncomfortable over here as we're talking about pizza. All right. <laughs> I was just thinking about pizza pizzazz. <laughs> pizza pizzazz. Yes, that's the uh, that's the Bart L. Uh, pizza 
That's, it gives it more punch. Uh, so anyway, uh, there is the question from, from Gabriel. He wants to know, uh, where the best slice of pizza in Massachusetts is. <sighs> if you want that big, greasy heart attack pizza, you go to Zach's. The oil pools up yeah. in the middle of it and the slice is the size of my head. I don't know if it's like since the kids took it over or whoever runs it now. I don't know if it's still the same, but oh my! Do you, do you remember Matt? You went with me. What's up? Didn't you go with me when I went to Randolph to pick up when I got my grandmother's car? Oh yeah, we went to Zach's. And we went to Zach's. That was the last time I had Zach's. Can you believe that? Wow, that's a it's long there, time, right? I think so. But just huge pizzas and just that big pool of grease in the middle. Like, you can literally, like, when you're done eating your pizza, like, you can dunk the, you crust, can dunk in. the crust into the middle of yeah. the pizza and get get that grease, that good R- stuff. Reminds me of a pizza place right down the road from where I lived that I grew up, you know, good old Pete's. Yeah, that's, that's you're getting, making Matt uncomfortable now. <laughs> Greasy Pete's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's the the food portion of the show. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading this comment. <laughs> <laughs> you do see its greasy shadow underneath it. Yeah, it's uh to the point where if you bring home the pizza in a box, like in a Zach's box, and you put it on your, t- you have to put paper towels under the box. Yep, because it'll go right through the box. But one of these side of the box says Exxon Valdez. Pretty much. <laughs> It's uh every every time that uh, you order a Zach's pizza, OPEC raises the prices. So you have to uh, you have to see it to experience it. Maybe we'll get some some night on a Saturday before we do the show. I think that would be a good sidetrack. Is we can go and get some Zach's, some Linwood because they're close to each other in Randolph. Make the drive back here. Maybe grab some Mark Anthony's too. Just lay it all out and just show it to the people on the camera. And then eat it. Oh, absolutely. That goes without saying. So I feel like uh, I feel like we dropped the ball a little bit here in talking about the paranormal stuff, but <laughs> we talked about the important things that matter, that being the pizza and the candy and the snacks. And I don't know. I think this is just as much a part of exactly what we're talking about. You know, when we talk about people's ghost experiences, when we talk about their, their paranormal experiences with – going out there and looking for you it's all part of a societal thing well you know think about this. we bond over the stories we bond over the food it's, exactly. it's all part of the you, you you go to these places you go to for the experience and then what are you looking for comfort and you find the comfort foods you, you're looking for the comfort of sharing the experiences with other people and usually what do people do when they when they commiserate with each other it's over food you know what another good pizza is? Mamma Mia's. And we will be having Mamma Mia's again when we go to Edaville because we're making our return there. Just announced yeah. this week, October 20th. Is it the 20th? Yeah. Yes. October 20th. We will be an eerie night at Edaville and uh, we'll be, I already talked to them, already worked out everything. We will be riding the train again and we'll be taking it around the park. And then after that, we'll be investigating the park for the rest of the night. So if you want to join us, last time that we did this event, it pretty much sold out. Yeah. We actually had to oversell it because so many people wanted to go. 
So I wouldn't wait too long to get the tickets to this one because it's been a couple years since we've been there. We're running out of time to be able to investigate the suicide house because they will be tearing it down eventually. Each year over the last couple of years, I've been told it'll be torn down by the end of the season. So they're not messing around. If you want to get into a house where three different people have committed suicide over the years, I talked to somebody just this past week who lived in that house for a brief period and said, it's weird. This person had way more experiences in the museum building, which we will also investigate, but there's enough stories coming out of that place all over the park. Dino Land, the Midway. Yeah. The Midway is interesting. The woods. Like, we're, here we're talking over crossover stuff. We're there doing a a ghost event, and what Andy and I and the, several other people see, this UFO type of event happened. That That's, was weird. Uh, we, need to, we need to spend more time in the woods over there, I think. I think maybe this time we'll, we'll try and go a little bit further down the train tracks and see if we can get people out there. More toward you know the you know the junction yeah cranberry junction yeah. get some more people out toward that way and see if we because there's so many stories in the woods around there from Native American lore and uh, you know people have seen St. Elmo's fire out there and all kinds of, let's let's really do it up well because as that park continues to grow you'll have less and less chances to get at some of these places uh, that are very intimate right now so anyway. You can get the tickets at SpookySouthCoast.com. I highly recommend it. I'm looking forward. It's like one of my favorite places in the world anyway, not even from a paranormal perspective. And I'm going to try to work it out with them because they're open the day of the event. It's part of their Halloween celebration time. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to them and say, hey, listen, why don't we work out a deal? i got to wait and see how many people buy tickets because the rate that we can get depends on the number of people that are going. But let's see if we can get a, a discounted rate for people to be able to go and spend the day in the park and ride the rides and go through the museum and experience everything that Edaville is all about. And then they can just stay and investigate all night. So, And I'll get a room deal, too, because I recently found out that I know somebody that runs a hotel in the area, Okay, which should help us with some of these things that we have coming up. But anyway, you can find out about all that at SpookySouthCoast.com, and you can also find every episode of the show all of our videos, all of our audio podcasts. Uh, you can find the clips, blogs, all kinds of things. Go to SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow us across social media. We're on Twitter, at SpookySC. On Instagram, Spooky underscore South Coast. And, uh, and pretty much anywhere that you can have a presence, you'll find us there. Matt, are we on Pinterest? No, we don't do Pinterest. I have no idea how to do Pinterest. I believe we have an account, but no one maintains it. We'll have to fix that. Mm-hmm. Buffer. Buffer is the future. Is that a thing? What, Pinterest? Yeah, do people still use it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Okay. Do we still have... Well, uh, if you do, do we if still anyone have... out there does use Pinterest and want us to bring up our Pinterest game, yes, just give us a shout out. Let us know. All right. Well, that does it for this week's show. Until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>